I'm super happy. Are you happy? Welcome to the BU Find Happy Podcast. Here you'll find tips and tricks to inspire you on your way to happiness, to live a courageous life of authenticity, and learn how to speak your truth with grace. I'm Michaela Johnson, and welcome to our podcast. It's the news I have been promising and I can finally share it with you. And it almost feels so odd to be sharing this news during this time of the world, but it's like such an incredible time to be the you that you want to be. And so I am stoked to finally tell you guys that I have empowered a motivational journal for women coming out June. And guys, let me tell you, it is full of thought-provoking prompts that encourage and empower you to dig deep and cultivate positive change. It's motivational. It's got tons of inspirational quotes and plenty of pages to write and a gorgeous design with illustrations. And I am so proud of it. It totally puts into practice everything uh, that I did to see the dream of being traditionally published with an international book to fruition. And I know uh, that so many of these prompts have had wild success with my clients, and I'm so excited to finally share this with you. And you can pre-order it today. Ah, I can't believe it's like really happening. And I put the link in the show notes. Check it out. Welcome back to the BU Find Happy podcast. You all know I don't say this very often, but I think this is honestly one of my favorite episodes that we have had on BU Find Happy. I can see why Jenny McCarthy says that David Essel is just changing the positive thinking movement. You guys have heard me rant and rave about the secret and the law of attraction. David is here to tell you why positive thinking is just not enough. And if you don't walk away from this episode inspired, then I don't even know what to tell you. Give it a listen. I hope you enjoy. Yeah, yeah I'm glad. Well, I'm glad we could connect finally. I'm so happy to have you on today. And I've just got a whole slew of, of fun questions that hopefully will inspire the listeners. So I thought we could dive right in. But first, can you share a little bit about who you are and what you do with, uh, with the listeners? Oh, absolutely. For the past 40 years, uh, I've been in the world of personal growth, uh, 11 books, four number one bestsellers. I'm a counselor, master life coach, minister, speaker, radio host. You name it. Wow. <laughs> Fabulous. Such good stuff. Of joy. 40 years of joy, Michaela. Wow. So you were in the in this in the personal growth world before personal growth was a thing. Yeah. As a matter <laughs> of fact, I mean, when we think about the world of personal growth and, and how it's so radically changed in 1980, when I began, I mean, it was a different beast, um, <laughs> totally different beast. And there's been some good changes, but there's been a lot of insanity as well, which we try to stay away from. Yeah, absolutely. It's hard to kind of sift through it sometimes. So you talk a lot about the myth of positive thinking. And I, I'm guessing this is all about law of attraction, the secret, things like that. Can you share a little bit about what you mean by the myth of positive thinking? 
Yeah, Michaela. And actually, you know, this is the book that started all off. You know, I wrote books for 20 years. So let's talk about the law of attraction and how ridiculously stupid it is. Um, (laughs) 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 And I I, I don't have strong opinions on many things, Michaela. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I wrote books, books for 20 years without any recognition whatsoever. Minimal sales. So, you know, the law of attraction, people say, put it out there and the universe must respond in kind. Well, it didn't work for me for 20 years. So I I will tell you that putting it out there ain't enough. Now, when when we release the book, Positive Thinking Will Never Change Your Life, but this book will about five years ago, it was the first book, Michaela, that went number one. Wow. And it's interesting because, you know, The Secret came out around 2007, 2008. The Law of Attraction has been around since around the year six. Right. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, God, if, if, you, if you look at where The Secret got a lot of its work, it was from Wallace Waddles, uh, The Science of Getting Rich. The book was written in 1910, and they took a lot of his information. But the thing that they left out, and this is the thing that really just bothers the heck out of me about the law of attraction and positive thinking. And the secret is that Wallace Waddles wrote in, in 1910, uh, I think it was chapter six, he put a whole chapter about if you don't take serious action, if you don't get uncomfortable, ain't nothing happening. And it's interesting, Michaela, because that's the message that the law of attraction and the secret love to downplay. And, and I'm going to out myself. From 1980 until 1996, I was one of those ridiculous people traveling the world, standing on stage saying, whatever you believe you can achieve, your thoughts will manifest into what you desire. And it's all a lie, Michaela. <laughs> it's a complete lie. And, and I can prove it. Well, first of all, it's a lie because I was using affirmations for 25 years about sobriety and I was a raging alcoholic. Mm. So if you have an affirmation that you say for 25 straight years, I am David Essel, a child of God, happy, healthy and sober today. And for 25 years, you still drink every night. There's a problem with this law of attraction stuff. You know, yes, yep, but, yep. But what's missing here? 30 years as a nationally syndicated radio host right now. And I've been blessed, Michaela, you know, Deepak Chopra, Wayne Dyer, tons of times, Susie Orman, multiple times, Mark Victor Hansen, Kenny Loggins, Meatloaf, Jenna Elfman. I mean, we can go on and on with all the people I've interviewed. Michaela, not one of these all-stars ever said that they achieved their huge success via their thoughts or via a, a, a vision board or an affirmation. You know, like they all have walked through, they've had dark nights of the soul. None of them told me they ever just woke up one day and decided that their mind was going to change their lives. They all did physical action steps that were uncomfortable to become very successful. Well, I'm so happy we have you on today because a lot of what we talk about on this podcast is a lot of metaphysical ideas and a lot about the law of attraction. But even more importantly, it's the idea that happiness is a constant reset. There's always something or someone challenging it. And uncomfortability is where the biggest change happens. So (laughs) what you're saying completely aligns with uh, my personal thoughts and certainly a lot of what, um, you know, we try to promote on this podcast. So then... How do people wade through the uncomfortability to get the positive outcomes? 
Yeah. Well, there's got to be a choice that's made, and the choice. And I'll give you a story out of one of our books, Focus: uh, Slay Your Goals. Um, there's a, a, a gentleman, Ray Higdon, and it's a great story. He's very well known in the world of network marketing. Uh, Ray came to me in 2008 with the real estate crash, and he happened to live in Florida. And he contacted me and said, "Hey, listen, I just lost my shirt. I'm a single dad. I got two little kids. I'm losing my house. I have not a clue of what I'm going to do." And there was a lot of us in that situation. You know, it was a it was very very tough time. And if you were in real estate investment and you made a killing in 2006, seven, 2008, nine you lost everything. And so he said, can we meet? And I said, absolutely. And he said, can we meet for lunch and could you pay for it? Oh <laughs> <my>. a, <laughs> it was great. It was great, Michaela. I go, you know, I love the, the fact that you've got the strength to say that the answer is yes. <laughs> so we sat down, we had lunch, I paid for it. We talked. And at the end of it, he said, what do you think? And I said, Ray, all, I'm going to just tell you one thing. You have a great personality. Underneath your fear and all of that insecurity, you are a rock star still, even though you don't have the money to show in the bank account. But this is what I'm going to recommend. Find something that you fully freaking believe in to sell and do what you've never done before. Now, I don't know what that is. You do. But find something you have outrageous passion for and then create a program unlike anything you've ever done in the past. Now, he's driving home. And this is perfect timing, 2008. He decides to go to a bookstore. He buys The Secret. He goes home and reads The Secret. And for the next 30 days, Michaela, all he did was create vision boards and wrote affirmations 12 hours a day. At the end of 30 days, he was in worse shape than when I had met him. Wow. And so he decided he had to do something different. So he found something to sell. It was a network marketing product. Now, whether you believe or like network marketing, I could care about. I, all I care about is that where was his mindset? And his mindset was, I can get myself back financially by helping a ton of people achieve their goals. That was his mindset. So he found a product. He tried to sell it. It wasn't going well. And then he found an individual that told him this one thing that turned it around for him. They said, go after 20 rejections a day. Don't stop meeting people or calling people until you have 20 individuals in your face or on the phone that have said, I have no interest. Mm. When you reach 20 rejections a day, call it a day. Because the odds are in all of those calls to get 20 rejections, you're going to get acceptance. It was a year and a half later of him going after 20 rejections a day, Michaela, that he was making $50,000 a month. Whoa. And he's over a million dollars a month today. Wow. Okay. So, so when we talk about what does it take, you know, like this is what it takes. It's like, now I still love positive thinking. The first hour of every day, I meditate, I pray, I journal, I affirm, I do all of this mind stuff. But then at the end of that hour, Michaela, I could care less about the mind stuff. Let me go to work. Let My me, feet right. hit the pavement. Yeah. Yes. Like, don't even worry about it. If you're going to think that you have to focus on keeping your mind positive, you're screwed. You don't have the capability to do that. But if you have an action plan on a daily basis that pushes you out of your comfort zone, i.e. Ray Higdon, going after 20 rejections a day, you don't have to worry about being positive. You don't have to. I mean, you either will be successful or you won't, It, but it will always be via your actions, not your thoughts. 
Um, you know, Joe Vitale, Dr. Joe Vitale, I'm sure you know who Dr. Joe is. Uh, he's one of the stars of The Secret. And on The Secret, he said he was homeless and he imagined checks in the mail and he became a millionaire. Right. Well, it didn't work like that. <laughs> you, you know, it's so funny, Michaela, because, I mean, it's such crap, you know, and we all buy into it. And I'll share why we buy into it in a second. So I had Dr. Joe and I and I, I love Dr. Joe. I think he's got some great stuff that he does. And so I had him on the show. And the very first thing I said, Dr. Joe, I go, my audience is dying to hear how you went from homeless and checks started coming in the mail to become a millionaire without doing any work. Tell us your secret. And, you know, Michaela, he started writing or laughing. And he said, David, he goes, well, he said, that's not actually what happened. I go, but that's what the secret said, is that you, you imagine checks in the mail. He goes, yeah, he said, I know. He said, but they happened to leave this important part out. He was homeless. He did believe that at some point he would have money and be out of homelessness. But then this is what he did. He got a job. 12 hours a day, seven days a week for years to make a million dollars. Wow. And the secret left all of that work out and mm. just said that he imagined checks coming in the mail and became a millionaire when the actual end result was he put in seven days a week, 12 hours a day to earn a million dollars. So, you know, there's there's this is the reality that we teach. And it sounds like, Michaela, you and I are in the same wavelength. I am not anti-positive thinking. I'm not even anti-affirmations. I'm not even anti-vision boards. As long as you don't believe any of that stuff is going to change your life. <laughs> the minute you start buying into the insanity that the right vision. My God, do you know there are still I just got an email today, Michaela. There are still people charging people to teach you how to build the damn vision board. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I, I will admit I have taught vision board building in my art for therapy workshops. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't charge for it anymore. I just, you know, invite yeah. friends over for wine and we build a well, You know, but no, th these are people promising that you're going to make money off it. That's silliness. You know, it's just like, come on. And, and, and so, you know, what we want to do is say to people, no. Create a daily ritual where you're reading inspirational work, you're, you're visualizing, you're affirming, but don't waste your day on it. Take 20, 30 minutes, an hour at the most, and then get on with your day and do the stuff that 90% of other people won't do. They're Agreed. your gift to success. Agree. I, I had a couple questions as you were talking, and so they're kind of going to rapid fire them. Um, one of them is, so... You know, I think sometimes we go after, uh, like, I'll give you it, for example, finding a, a book publisher for a book. You know, we've all heard the Harry Potter story that she tried a million times. How do people not hit a wall and just get let down and quit when they're getting so much rejection? As you talked about the guy who's going after 20, do you say, if I get 20 a day of, you know, rejections on whatever it is I'm trying to peddle that I've succeeded? Is that, is that the mindset that you take? Yeah, because you know that ultimately the odds are going to come into your favor. You know, like that's the most beautiful thing. The odds are going to actually increase the more rejection you get. And if and, and let me give you a great example of this. The probably one of the greatest examples of all time of the power of rejection and ultimately success down the road. 
Now, Michaela, the only thing is you have to remember what I said earlier. It's got to be something that you're putting all this effort into that you are passionate about. If you're doing it just to make money, you're screwed. You won't have the fortitude, the discipline, the persistence to keep going if you're not passionate. So the key is passion. But here's the great one of the greatest stories of all time, and it's Colonel Sanders. Whether you're a vegan or not, I don't care. This is a great success story. <laughs> Colonel Sanders until he was 68 years of age, struggled financially. He attempted suicide. He was going battle deep, deep depression, but he had passion for his product. When he was 68, he made his first million dollars. And in his 80, he's, he became a billionaire. Now, wow. some people would say, there's no way I'm going to see, you know, I'm 30. I'm not going to wait until I'm 68 to make your million dollars. But I'm going to say this is that Colonel Sanders didn't think that he was waiting to make the million dollars because he was doing what he loved every day. Does that make sense? It does. Absolutely. Wow. That's powerful. Yep. Yep. You know, so so when you're writing a book and you're getting rejection, that's just part of the process. Now, if you're writing a book to get famous, to make money and it's ego driven, you're not going to make it. Right. Yeah, but you're if you're writing gonna... a book that you believe will help the masses. Yeah. Were... Yeah. 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 You know, and, and if you write because you enjoy to write it, you, you know, I mean, the only reason I wrote for 20, 20 years without any success is because I really wanted to make a difference in this world. But Michaela, I also really love to write. Yeah. So, you know, writing a new book every couple of years and having it go nowhere didn't affect me. <laughs> I mean, because I, I, I couldn't lose, you know, I would write. Right. I love. And I knew at some point, there had to be a crack. The door had to open. I didn't think it was going to take 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) That's my husband still, my husband still thanks me for bringing home the bacon bits on book sales. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Mm -hmm. So, so the other thing, as you were saying, you know, when we were talking about vision boards, I was just thinking about how, you know, in the land of like quantum physics and things like that, do you believe that some of this positive language shifts our daily choices, like affirmations, vision boards, things like that, that they have the ability in micro moments to change choices that we would have otherwise made differently? Absolutely. A hundred percent. Um, you're, you, when, when we have a positive affirmation or you look at your vision board and let's say that that excites you, whatever's on your vision board, there is an instantaneous release of dopamine, GABA, serotonin, the endorphins, the feel good chemicals. So in those moments, we could feel like we can take on the world. Maybe in that moment, you'll make the extra cold call that you don't want to make. But but here's the problem. They only last moments, Michaela. So, right. you know, it, when, when you have an endorphin rush from, you know, reading some kind of powerful quote, and I don't know what the quote would be, but let's just say we just both read a powerful quote. Oh, my God, that is so right on. Okay. That, that oh, my God, sensation, that rush, that's probably going to last about 45 seconds. <laughs> so if you can act quickly upon your motivational, inspirational thought, yes, go for it. I but, love it. You know, but it's not going to be there for the rest of the day. So you have two options. Better do it now. (laughs) You better act now, right? Yeah, amen to that. (laughs) 
Well, you know, I, I, I felt that experience myself, actually. I've stumbled upon things. This was a while ago back. Uh, I used to call my newsletter a newsletter on my website, you know, and I, I stumbled upon some web page where um, they were talking about just kind of the term newsletter has become synonymous with spam. And like right in the moment, I was like, yeah, I'm changing it. I'm calling it an e-journal. And then I went right on and changed it on my website. And it was like, now, and, the, and then when, you know, I started getting more signups within the next week or two, and it, it wasn't like just positive thinking, but it was more taking action at the moment that definitely changed that. And, and Michaela, you know, if you would have taken that thought and said, that's a great idea, and then gone on with your day, it would have been just a wasted thought. Right. But, but because you applied it and, and that's what I like, you know, about. So let's let's say synchronicity, synchronicity. I don't think it was the law of attraction. I think synchronicity had you run into this thing about spam and then you acted upon it. Well, yes. if we did that on a regular basis, trust your intuition and act not out of fear, but just because it's the right thing to do, we might be shocked at how we can start to turn our own lives around. Yes, it's so true. It's absolutely so true. When you were talking about passion, fortitude, and persistence, I wrote the word marriage. I mean, that just really sounds like what it takes to be in a relationship. Do you see, do you see this apply in relationships? I know you've talked about the love scale and profound love. How does it all apply? Yeah. Oh, it, it, it's all right there. You know, we have a brand new book that just came out, Love and Relationship Secrets That Everyone Needs to Know. And the, and that book is all about if you does not, we, what we say, and we, we prove it with statistics, 80% of relationships in our country suck. Yeah, like, what is it? Sixty percent of them end up in divorce. Yeah, we, something we, crazy. Yeah, we have fifty-five percent of first marriages end in divorce. Sixty-two percent of second. Sixty-eight percent of third marriages end in divorce. Now, and by well, the fourth, they give up. Yeah, <laughs> not counting that, anymore. You know, <laughs> the statisticians aren't even going past number three. You know? <laughs> They're going, okay, we know it's higher. We don't need to put what it is. So they're um, staying out of Hollywood then. They, big, big time, <laughs> right? Big time. So, so, but, but really when we look at individuals now, longevity of a marriage has nothing to do with health. Yeah, I'm not impressed when some just like I'm not impressed when someone says they have 30 years of sobriety. I want to know, are you happy and do you treat people well? I could Mm -hmm. give a crap how many years sober you are, because there's a lot of people with 30 years sobrieties that are dicks. And there's no other way to say it. They just are. They're still miserable. They just want their beer back. Absolutely, Michaela. So I'm not impressed with years of marriage either. There's a lot of long term codependent marriages that are hell. And so don't say to me, well, you know, I took this seriously. I signed that I'm going to be with him or her till death do his part. And even though they've destroyed us financially, they're emotionally abusive or physically abusive. I signed that paper. That's called insanity. So I, I don't care about people that say they've been married for 50 years. I want to know, are you respectful to your partner? Are you supportive of their dreams? Are you kind? And to be supportive and respectful and all of these things I just mentioned, kindness takes a hell of a lot of work when you're living with someone 24-7 versus versus a coworker or a friend in another state or, you know what I'm saying? It's like when, you know, we, we are meant, a lot of us, 
to be in community. And we could say a marriage is a community, two people or more is community. But there's a lot of us that that doesn't fit well. And and so, you know, in the book, we talk about the need for separation. We talk about the need to have our own lives, the need to have our own friends, like the best marriages. And again, 40 years of being a counselor, the best marriages that I have seen, individuals want to support their partner in their goals and dreams, but they also have their own separate life. And when you have your own separate life, as a matter of fact, about six months ago, Michaela, I had a couple come in. They were on the verge of divorce. And what I saw was that they were just outrageously codependent. There was nothing they ever did without the other one. Now, very few relationships can be sustained on that type of neediness um, where that, you know, I'm going to go to the store. I've got to go with you. I'm going to do this. I've got, you know, it, it's like it's it's overwhelmed, too needy. What we encourage people is that we should have at least one separate hobby. Each person in a relationship should have something the other one doesn't do. The other one isn't interested in. And what that does is that adds longevity and interest to the relationship. So let's say your husband is um, uh, phenomenal at art, and let's say that you love to tango, and he hates dancing and you can't stand art. That's perfect. <laughs> that is perfect. So you go and dance, and you come home and tell him how exciting it was and the passion you got from it. He goes out and shoots seven hours worth of photography and nature and comes back. And, and, and these are the type of things in our book we encourage people to look at as quote unquote secrets to healthy relationships. I like that. My husband and I only celebrate one year of marriage at a time. So yes. <laughs> we, we, we don't count. We just go a year at a time and kind of look back on the past year. What did we do right? What did we do wrong? What do we need to fix to make it another year kind of thing? Nice. Yeah, it nice. takes the pressure off. And and I do agree having hobbies is super important. I think that, you know, having something that you like, um, the one thing that I see is if couples can't agree on finances. Yeah, finances seems to be the, the one area where there needs to be some congruency. Yeah, you know, we teach, we have um, a, a premarital counseling course. I, I, I marry, obviously marry couples and um, and it's 10 weeks long. And one of the things that we spend, I'd say three to four weeks on is the agreeing on financial belief systems. Yes. It is, it's crucial, you know, and there's compromise and there's all kinds of stuff. But, you know, most people are raised very differently financially. I mean, it's very rare to find two people that have the same belief about money. So what we do, we say to people, before you commit and move in, before you commit and marry, let's make sure some of the really huge topics, the one you mentioned, finances, another children, another religion, let's make sure that we understand each other's full 100% beliefs on these major categories before we choose to move forward. Because there may have to be some alterations done, or it may not be the right fit. Yep. Yep. Agree. That's, and that's a scary thought, right? People, but I'm in love. I don't, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. love takes a lot more components than just kisses and hugs. <laughs> yeah, and, and Michaela, what you just said is so crucial for the listeners. Um, the, one of the biggest problems that we talk about in the book, Love and Relationship Secrets, is that people deal with love emotionally, not logically. 
Right. And we need to bring logic into the equation. I mean, that's the reason 80% of relationships suck. Um, you know, we, we have this, you know, oh, but I'm in so in love. Oh my God. What, you know, in the book, we got these stories. My God, this, oh, bless her heart. This woman came in and said, I love my husband more than any man I've ever loved. And I said, okay, that's awesome. And she goes, so why does he hate me so much? Oh, and oh, poor thing. I know. And I said, well, what do you mean he hates you? And she goes, well, he's on my back constantly, you know, multiple days a week. I can't do anything. Right. So anyway, I'm working with her for about four to six weeks and only hearing her side of the equation. And then one time I said to her, I go, I think this is time to bring your husband in. I, I need I understand what you're saying. You love him more than anything. He treats you like crap. But let's so he comes in and I. You know, she was here, he was here. And so I said to him, um, you know, I understand that you have a lot of anger at your wife. He said, yes, I do. And I said, can you share why? And he goes, three days a week, David, she is a rock star. She is off the charts. I don't have to remind her to do anything. I don't have to ask her. She's pre-planned. She's like, so in my corner. And then all of a sudden he goes, I'll give you an example. Like last week, I had a big meeting that I had to wear a suit to on Friday. I have one suit that I really love. And I said to her, I have this meeting. It's Monday. Could you take it to the dry cleaner? And could you have it for me on Thursday? And she said, yes. So I get up Friday morning. I ask her where the suit is. And she said, oh, I never got a chance to get it. Mm. And so I said to her, is this the way your mother treated your father? And the answer was yes. She was raised in an environment that when it was convenient for her mom to do what was necessary for the house, she did. But if it wasn't convenient, she didn't. And she never told my client's father. So what had happened was this young woman had seen the environment of how her mom interacted with her dad. And she just brought it forward as if it was natural. She didn't even know she was doing it, Michaela. Wow. So, you know, here was I love this man more than anyone, but love is not enough if you don't have logic you know if you don't have like following your words it's called integrity right you know right. so you can love someone more than anyone else has ever loved them but if you don't have integrity if you don't follow your words you're going to be in a relationship of hell mm. so true so true So you say, kind of switching gears here, you say, if you have a big goal you haven't nailed by now, you never will. I like that <laughs> quote. I do. It was, it spoke to me. What does that mean exactly? Does that mean give up? Help me understand. Oh, Michaela, I love it. <laughs> oh God, girl, you did your homework. This is good. Um, all right. So, you know, and, and, and let, let me, let me, let me rephrase how I came up with that quote. So, a friend of mine, Harvecker, wrote a book, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, um, 10 years ago, 15, I forget, it's been a long time now. And uh, it's, it, I think it still has the record of going number one on the New York Times bestsellers list, the fastest personal growth book ever. Um, and so 
I had Harv, the minute the book came out, I got him on my radio show. And during the show, I was teasing him. And I said, Harv, I need to hire you as my business coach. And he goes, oh, that's great, David. And so then as we continue to talk, I go, Harv, I'm serious. And, and, I, and this was live on the air. So I knew I had him. <laughs> and I said, oh. I, I go, Harv, just give me one session. And he goes, oh, my God. OK. So we get off the call and we do our session. And he says, what's your goal? And I said, I want to double my income in 12 months. He said, what's your income now? And I told him, he said, that is very aggressive, David. And I said, yeah. I said, I, I really believe I can do it. And he goes, okay. He said, when did you set this goal? And I said, two years ago. And he said, why haven't you accomplished it? Wow. And it was a great question. And I and I came up with all kinds of answers. You know, the economy wasn't that great the last couple of years. You, know? <laughs> you mean excuses? <laughs> yes. Yes. <thank> <laughs> and uh, he said, no, it's it's he goes, it's nonsense. He said, let me tell you, he goes, if you haven't accomplished it by now, you never will. He said, because you're trying to do it on your own. Hmm. And he said, if you have a major goal and I just have reiterated this over the last 10 years, you know, if, if you have a major goal in weight loss and you've never accomplished it, relationships, you've never accomplished it, forgiving someone who betrayed you and you never accomplished it, making certain amount of money and you never accomplished. If you've had a goal for more than a couple of years, you aren't going to get it on your own or you already would have. So what we say is this, if the goal that you desire that you haven't accomplished, Michaela, is in your wheelhouse, that means it's something you have outrageous passion for, then hire an accountability partner. Is it a financial advisor, a consultant, a counselor, a coach, a minister, a rabbi, a personal trainer? I don't know who it is for you, but if you have a big goal and it hasn't come into your life right now, quit spinning your wheels and get someone to help guide you save your butt a whole bunch of more years. You know, like I look back at my 20 years of writing books without any recognition and I've asked myself at times, I wonder if I should have hired a different marketing consultant when the first two books didn't take off or should I have done something different or was it just my passion to write and those 20 years gave me outrageously good experience, right? Right. It's not like it's all for naught. No, because right. it's, it's in my wheelhouse of passion and that's what I want our listeners to remember. You know, if it's in your wheelhouse... That's where you want to stay, regardless of how long it takes. Never forget Colonel Sanders' story. Never forget my 20 years of writing book story. Right? If it's in your wheelhouse, stay there. But then look at bringing someone in to hold your feet to the fire. Oh, I like that. That's, that's really how I feel about everything that kind of has transpired in the last year with what I'm doing with the podcast and this and that. You know, all of the years of writing books, everything had the same underlying theme. I just didn't put it together in a package that anybody understood until a PR agent said, Hey, <laughs> here's, here's your, pre, you know, your presentation. Here's your package. Why aren't you presenting it this way? It doesn't make sense to people otherwise. And I love that. It was all in the wheelhouse. And, That's right. you know, it took kind of maybe connecting with some people outside of what I was continually trying to, to really guide me in yeah. the right direction. Yep. Yes. And, and there's a part of it that's scary, you, you know, investing time, money and effort into someone else. There, there can be some fear-based stuff around that. Uh, but once again, you know, what, what I want you to do as a listener with Michaela right now is I want you to understand that 
you can have a massive goal in life, but you're going to have to do what 90% of people don't want to do to achieve it. And, you know, we have a very lazy world here. It's outrageously so lazy. Oh, we are lazy as crap. And, you know, when people go, oh, my God, you know, I mean, that's why people want to sit back and do affirmations and vision boards because they don't want to do any work, Michaela. Um, I'll I, tell you, know, you what, five of us started a detox in August. Yes. And two of us finished it. Yeah. I know. It's, it's, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It was too much work. And it's, then they're still trying to lose weight and, you know, cleanse their bodies. And I'm like, hey, I'm past that. I'm still not <laughs> drinking coffee. Still do. You know? Right. Right. You know, what, there was a number of years ago, and this was after, you know, 1980, uh, 96. 1996 was my big turning year. That's when I dropped all of my teachings on the law of attraction and all that crap. Um, and, and I remember shortly after there, my, of course, you know, my teachings changed, my attitude changed, a lot changed. And I remember someone coming up to me and saying, you know, you sound like my grandfather. <laughs> and I said, tell me what you mean. And she goes, all he ever talks about is putting in the extra effort for the bigger goal. Mm. And I said, and, and your grandfather, that I go, that's the mindset we need to have, you know? Um, mm -hmm. Can I tell a great Wayne Dyer story? Yes, please. Oh, please, my please. God. All right. So I met Wayne for the first time in 1990, and I had just started a nationally syndicated radio show. Uh, he was one of my first guests. And, you know, he and he was huge. You know, Michaela, I guess because I'm so old, like people don't realize in 1990 that Wayne Dyer was massive. He was massive. And so I got him on the show, which really thrilled me. And then afterwards, we or during the show, I was saying to him, Wayne, how is it that you create such great success with book sales and everything else? Like, like, what's your secret? And he started laughing and he said, well, he goes, let me tell you how our first book became very popular. I said, great, I'd love to. He goes, okay. So he goes, we released the book and several months go by and my publisher contacts me and says, Wayne, not sure what's going on. We thought this was going to be huge. It's not moving at all. We'll give it another month or so, but then we're going to probably have to go on to another book or do something else. We're not quite sure. So he sat back after the call and he was sitting thinking books aren't moving, books aren't moving. Now, you have to remember, in the 80s, there were still things called bookstores, Michaela. Right. <laughs> I've heard of those. <laughs> yeah, they, they, it was it was really weird, man. Um, you know, you'd actually go into a building and there would be shelves with books. Strangest my, thing. My first, first book tour, I drove my books around in my trunk. Yes. There you go. There you go. <laughs> So Wayne says, you know, there's no Internet, 1980, uh, in the 80s, there's no Internet. All there is is bookstores. So Wayne says to me, he goes, well, he said, I decided that if the book wasn't going to move on its own, I had to help it. So he said, I drove to every bookstore I could possibly get to and bought all of my own books off the shelf. Oh, my gosh. And he said, and David, I kept doing it. And all of a sudden, weeks later, I get a call from my publisher saying, oh, my God, Wayne, your books are going nuts. They've just done <laughs> reorder. We've got bookstores all over the place ordering your book. The moral of the story is Wayne Dyer was willing to do what 90 percent of the rest of us won't. Right. And when we talk about, Michaela, my clients with weight loss or the clients that we work with on financial freedom or love and relationships or self-love or addiction recovery, we say this to the same thing to all of our clients. Are you willing to do what 90% of the rest of the world won't? If you are, let's rock. If you're looking for an easier way out, a shortcut, a life hack, 
I'm not the guy. And I never will be, you know, because I really understand after, and I've, and I've gone bankrupt. I was an addict and alcoholic, you know, I've gone through a whole bunch of crap in life. I don't have all the answers by any means, but I do know some of the most important answers, such as if you want big things in life, are you willing to do what 90% of other people won't do? You know, and, and in that case, in that mindset, then, of course, you know, most people will say yes. They'll answer the question yes, because they want to be good boys and girls. And so they'll go, yes, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And then we go, OK, put it in writing. Oh, and, hold them to it like a contract. You got it. And once it's in writing, then I go through it with them and I tell them this is realistic. This is not. Let's alter this. Let's shift this. And then, Michaela, we get after we have this whole agreement thing in writing, then we get down to the what am I doing on a daily basis? How many hours am I putting into X, Y and Z? How many prospecting calls? How many meetings? How many this? How many that? Then we get it down to where it has to be in writing specifically. So now we have accountability. So then every week when I meet with my client, I have their schedule. I know exactly what they were supposed to do. And then we find out how close to the record did they make it. And this sounds, you know, like complicated. It's not at all. It's called organization. (laughs) And tangibility. I mean, anything that's tangible like that, that you can put a check mark next to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I work really well on that idea that, you know, if I can see it kind of like a map, yes. outlined map, then I know what comes next and where am I at and what did I fall short of? So what do I need to pick up the next day? That kind of thing. I like that. I actually do a lot of map outlining in my own psychotherapy practice with clients, but I have a client, as you were speaking, that I was completely thinking of. She's been working on this nutrition business for, I don't know, two years. And every time that she comes to session, which, you know, she's not frequently enough, I ask her, did, did you do this? Did we do this? Did you do that? You know, following up on these items that, oh, yeah. I, you know, got busy with this and all oh, this. And it's like, yeah, I don't know that you're ever going to achieve it if you can't commit to it. No, it, and it is uncomfortable, you, you know, and now here's the great news. Let me share this because we've been talking a lot about being uncomfortable in the beginning of making a change. And the subconscious mind is really what we're trying to change. We're not trying to change the conscious mind. It's always the subconscious. The conscious mind is listening to the show going, my God, Michaela and David are offering all these great tips. I'm writing them down. I'm going to go kick butt. That's the conscious mind. The conscious mind wants success for most of us. I mean, there's a few victims in this world that all they do is talk about how they get screwed left and right. But for the most part, (laughs) you know, for the most part, people want consciously to be successful, to lose the weight, to make the money, to have the great love, et cetera. Consciously, we want it. But the real challenge is in the subconscious because the pattern that we set, when we set a pattern of looking for a life hack, looking for a shortcut, when we set a pattern of saying, I'm going to take this fat burner pill instead of actually going to the gym and changing my diet, when we start to get into that mindset, Michaela, it's going to shoot major success in the foot. There, you can't have it both ways. You can't find a life hack that allows you to do no work and to lose weight long term. Now, one life hack, like the keto diet, where they guarantee you'll lose 51 pounds in 50 days, and I will guarantee you that you'll have 60 pounds back at the end of that year. Right. <laughs> you know, right. it's like, so when, when you have a hack that says, I can help you lose 50 pounds in 50 days, like, to me, that's like, okay, now we're talking insanity. 
because you're not going to be able to sustain that. We know you're not going to be able to sustain it, right? And so what we want to say to people is that 90%, doing what 90% of other people won't do, eventually just becomes who you are. The first year of my sobriety sucked. It was really hard. I was filled with anxiety. I was filled with temptation. I never went out. It's been a very long time now. I never will. But the first year was freaking hard. After that, it has been a walk in the park. I go to weddings, funerals. I sit next to people that are doing shots and I don't do shots. I just leave early. And, and you know, we, we, we have to be willing that first year I had to do what 90% of other people in my situation wouldn't do. I had to invest time, money, and effort into my recovery. And then since then, I don't even say I'm in recovery. I'm not in recovery. I'm simply David Essel. That's right. all I am. I'm not a former al- alcoholic. I'm not an alcoholic in recovery. All that crap is a bunch of nonsense. I'm simply David Essel. And Making so- life choices that serve me better. Absolutely, Michaela. And then it's the same thing with money. You know, there's a couple that I worked with in their 40s, several children, they'd never owned a home. And so they came to me and they said, we want to go through this financial freedom course because we really want to buy a home. So we looked at expenses and income and everything. And and I'll share something from our course that, that a lot of people may be familiar with and other people may not be. But the first step to financial freedom never has anything to do with income. So if you're thinking of becoming financially free and you want to focus on increasing your income, I will tell you you're screwed. It ain't going to work. Reduce your debt. You've got to look at expenses and debt. Amen, Michaela. Mm -hmm. That's the first step. And the second step is belief systems, believe it or not. So anyway, this couple came to me and they said, you know what? We, we, they both made decent money. Um, they both had never saved a penny. And so I said to them, um, all right, I can set you guys up to buy a house short of a year. You know, it'll be less than a year. I can guarantee you we'll have the down payment and everything else, but you're going to have to bust your butt. In nine months, Michaela, by looking at their budgets and their expenditures, this is so mind-blowing for people to hear. We were able to help them save $30,000 in nine months and buy their first house. Wow. Now, there was huge sacrifice. Okay, when we looked at how they just they just rapidly spend money. I mean, you know, going out to lunch every day was never an issue. Going out to dinner several times a week was never an issue. So when we looked at all these deal killers to buy a house, I said, if you do what 90 percent of your friends won't do, you'll have a house in nine months. However, if you take all this work we're going to do and you're going to sabotage it by going back to your old comfortable spending habits, we will be years down the road before you get a house. And and they did what 90% of people won't do. In nine months, they had 30 grand saved. And in 12 months, they moved into their first home. Wow. Wow. You know, it's and anyone can do this, Michaela. This is the cool thing. And I don't care how long you've been an addict to sugar or food or alcohol. Anyone can get sober. Anyone can become financially free. Anyone can release anger and and resentment against people that have betrayed us. I mean, everything, we losing weight. My God, I just had Evelyn Keeling on my radio show again. Evelyn is a friend of mine. She lost 240 pounds in her 40s. Wow. 240 pounds. That's like almost two humans. It is, Michaela. And then in her 50s, she became a bodybuilder, for God's sake. Wow. Now, when, when people say, you know, the University of Florida study, only about 6% of people who are obese or severely overweight have a genetic link. 
That means 94% of the population that's overweight, it's all lifestyle. Wow. It's not genetics. And Evelyn found that out because she was one of many people that knew that her weight gain, she knew her lifestyle was terrible, but she also believed that it had to be genetics. But it rarely is. Wow. David, everything is, this is my favorite podcast I've had, and I'm on episode like 55. Oh, thank you, Michaela. <laughs> I absolutely love everything you said, and I, and I completely wholeheartedly agree. And, you know, I hear a lot of people talk but not a lot of people do. And so I just completely, I'm just so thrilled that you were on and shared your insights on these things. And I'm going to put um, in the show notes all the ways that people can get in touch with you. But is there a particular way you prefer? Yeah, the easiest is the website, talkdavid.com, T-A-L-K, david.com. Michaela, people can go there. We've got a bunch of free stuff. Uh, You can get our free motivational minute, which is a Monday through Friday video series. So every day, Monday through Friday, you get a three-minute inspirational video from me in your inbox. Um, Mm. And that's absolutely free. We, we, We give away money. Um, we have, we do charity contests where people that are really struggling, you can go and sign up for that for free. So, you know, we try to do a lot to give back because we have been working our butts off for so long and we've been very fortunate at the same time. So if, when people go to talkdavid.com, of course they can work with me from anywhere in the world via phone or Skype. They have a goal that they haven't been able to accomplish. We'd love to help them. Uh, and also grab the free stuff because that might be what you need right now to get that hump moving, to to move past the block in front of you. I love it. Thank you so much for being on. And I just looking, I look forward to continuing our journey together as as synchronistic humans that have connected. (laughs) I love it, Michaela. Hey, listen, anytime I can help, you've got me. I love the interview. I think you're exceptional as a host and we can do it again. (laughs) Thanks so much, David. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye, Michaela. Bye-bye. This has been a BU Find Happy podcast. For more inspiration, check out the links.